Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we believe that your Holy Spirit works through your word, and I ask that you would work now. I pray that you would open our eyes. I pray that you would open our hearts, Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I begin to open the word of God, I want to say just a, two sentences about preaching. Um, sometimes it's just part of our tradition, so we don't even think about it. But we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. We believe that God moved the writers of Scripture to write every single word it contains. And as we today listen to it preached, we expect the same God who inspired the Scriptures is here with us, working through it, and we expect God to move in us and among us. And that's why we do this. That's why we emphasize Scripture so much. Because the Bible says that it's through hearing the words of Scripture that we learn to believe. And so I want to open the Scriptures now and talk a little bit about something, a phrase that I think probably everyone has heard But in fact, we've heard it so often that we may not think about what it means. I want to talk to you this morning about one of the strangest things that Jesus said that every person must experience. Many of you have heard the phrase, born again. It's popular in Christian circles. I think most of us don't think much about why Jesus spoke with such a confusing phrase. What does it mean To be born again. I say it's confusing because the man that he was talking to in John chapter 3 when he first used this phrase had no idea what it meant. And if you're here today and that sounds weird, you are in good company. Even if you've heard it a thousand times, I'd encourage you to take a second and pause and think about how strange of a phrase it is. Just a moment ago, I was holding my little girl. We can all appreciate the beauty and goodness of being born the first time. We celebrate life. We celebrate God's good gifts. My son, Jack, who is sleeping right now, this probably isn't the first message he's ever slept through. He'll be okay. He's celebrating his first birthday today. And that's a cause for celebration. Yeah, he made it. We, we managed to take care of him for a whole year. That's a cause for celebration. We recognize the wonderful possibilities of life. We take a lot of joy in, in him as parents. You know, I love to toss him up and bump his head on our ceiling. And he just giggles and thinks it's the funniest thing. Never too hard. You look worried. We appreciate being born the first time, but the language that Jesus uses has so many layers of meaning. I want to take a moment and see what it means from Scripture. Why does he talk about being born a second time? Sometimes we hear that phrase and we just think of a fresh start, maybe turning over a new leaf or getting a second chance. If you listen to pop music, you know, when, when I was married, one of the great things that surprised me is how many pop music references I began to understand because my wife listened to pop music and I had not prior. So 2010 is when we were married, and I think it's about that time Katy Perry had a song that talked about being born again. And she has a church background. I have no idea if she knows what it means biblically, 
a lot of people just say, you know what? I'm having a fresh start. It's something new. But Jesus means something so much more from that. So listen as I read from John chapter 3, and we need to hear and see why this matters so much to Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says very clearly, you must be born again. This is not optional if you want to know God. And the man that he's talking to is a Pharisee. And, and today, when we hear the word Pharisee, a lot of us immediately think hypocrite. And Jesus did call some of the Pharisees hypocrites. Some of them were. But they were not thought of as bad people in Jesus' day. They were thought of as really good people. Pharisees knew the Hebrew Bible incredibly well. They would memorize it and meditate on it, and they loved to teach it. They were dedicated religious people. They tried to follow God's laws, and on the outside, they looked really good. You would want a Pharisee to be your neighbor. His lawn would look good. His parties would never be too crazy. You would enjoy being around him because he was an upstanding citizen. Nicodemus in this story is not a bad guy. He is obviously longing for God to do something new and exciting because he wants to talk to Jesus. He has heard about Jesus. He's heard about his teaching. He's heard about his miracles. And he says that he even believes that Jesus is from God. And this is a really good start. But when Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus, all of his religious credentials and all of the good things that he does, Jesus says, they don't matter. Jesus says that his background is not enough. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And as we talk about what it means to be born again, let me take just a second and talk about the kingdom of God. To a man like Nicodemus, the phrase the kingdom of God would have been loaded. He would have known from all of his reading and all of his study in the Old Testament how incredible the future kingdom of God is. It meant a time of blessing and joy. It meant being close to God himself. Enjoying God's righteous rule where nothing would go wrong. There would be no sickness, there would be no death, there would only be joy and blessing. And I think one of the best ways that we could think about the kingdom of God is imagine for a moment the very best wedding party that you have ever been to. Imagine family and friends all celebrating with people that they love. Imagine having a DJ that actually had good taste in music. 
Imagine, imagine a party where people enjoy being with each other and they share amazing food and it's full of happiness. But unlike a wedding reception where eventually everyone gets tired and goes home, the kingdom of God never ends. It just gets better and better for all of eternity. And God himself is the life of the party. He is the source of all joy and blessing. And if you, if you say, where are you getting that? Why can you say that about the kingdom of God? I would encourage you, not now, later, look at John chapter 2. The very first miracle Jesus does in the gospel of John is he makes wine at a wedding party and they celebrate the good gifts of God. And I think that's just a shadow. That's just a taste of the celebration that's coming when Jesus returns. The Bible talks a lot about weddings as we look forward to that day of God ruling where there will be no sickness and death and God will wipe away every tear and joy will never end. Later in chapter 3, John starts talking about eternal life. And he wants to make it very clear that in order to have eternal life, you have to enter the kingdom of God. And in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to have eternal life. The two things are related, and you do not get one without the other. And he is very clear, not everyone will enjoy God's kingdom. There is something that needs to happen first. And Jesus describes it as new birth or being born again. So we come back to that phrase, born again. What does it mean? Nicodemus is confused about what it means, and Jesus says to him, as a way of clarification, two things. He says, you must be born of water and spirit. And that means that you must be washed, and you must be given spiritual life. This is something that Nicodemus would have understood, both of these things, because the Old Testament prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah both talk about how God would one day save his people. You see, the people of God had had God's law for a long time. They knew what it meant to do right and to do wrong. You know, sometimes popular people will say, all we need to do in America is we just need to get back to our good standards Put the Ten Commandments back in schools. Just teach people they need to obey that God's laws are good. What Israel found when they tried to do that is that they failed again and again and again. The reality is knowing right and wrong does not solve our problems. Because the problem is deeper than just knowing what's good and knowing what's wrong. That's, that's why I believe that for all the things that we need to do for our society, the most basic thing that we have to do is look to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, it's not enough to know the scriptures like someone like Nicodemus did. Something new has to happen. And so Ezekiel and Jeremiah, in a place of brokenheartedness because God is punishing his people for breaking his law, they look forward to a day when God says, I will wash you. I will make you clean. The sins that he punishes them for will not be part of who they are anymore. And if you're here today, I'd be surprised if there's anyone here who claims that they're perfect, who believes that they're always good. The reality is the only hope that we have is that we would enjoy that kind of washing, that kind of newness. But it's not just washing 
there's also something incredible that happens in the new birth. So there are two parts. There's the washing. There's the washing that cleanses you from your past sin. But Jesus said you must be born of water and spirit, meaning that God gives his spirit to you, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And that spirit begins to teach you to hate the old sinful things that you used to do and to love to do the things of God that you want to do, but maybe couldn't find within yourself to do. So being born again cleanses us from our sin, and it gives us the Spirit of God so that we learn to love God. And Nicodemus, hearing that, asks the most critical question you could ask. How does that happen? How do you do it? I didn't have any control over being born the first time. What do I do if I want to be born again or born a second time? And Jesus replies that he must be lifted up. Sometimes when Jesus says this, you think, what does that even mean? Can't you speak clearly? Well, he does. So let's look carefully at what he says in verses 9 through 15. I'm just going to read and I encourage you to listen. Verse 9 through 15 says this. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus said the Son of Man must be lifted up. I think the question that Nicodemus asked, how can this be, is voicing confusion on two different fronts. And Jesus makes this really clear from his answer because he answers in two different ways. Nicodemus wants to know, why is it that I need this new birth that you're talking about? He is genuinely surprised that there's something that he's not heard of that he doesn't understand. And second, He wants to know how the new birth that Jesus says is necessary happens. He says, if we must be born again, then what can we do? What do we do in order to be born again? And Jesus makes two things absolutely critical. First, he says that he, as the Son of God, can speak of heavenly things because he has descended from heaven. Nicodemus is saying, I've never heard what you're talking about. I don't understand what you mean. And Jesus is saying... I can speak with authority because I have descended from God. If you ask about 90% of people today, how do you go to heaven? They will tell you something very similar to what Nicodemus believed. They'll say, well, you just need to be a good person. And because God is a God of love, that's all that matters. Just try your best and hopefully your good works will outweigh your bad. Don't do anything really terrible. And then hopefully God will accept you. Well, I'm here to say today that the scripture says that is not true. That is absolutely wrong. Jesus said to a man who looked very good that his good deeds and the way he looked did not matter. He said, you must be born again. And he said that with the authority of the son of God. He's not basing this on any, any human teaching. He's saying, I'm telling you, as God's son descended from heaven, this is what has to happen. And no, you, you haven't heard of it exactly in these terms. And in some sense, this may seem new, but I'm telling you it's true. And I have the authority to say that. 
because Jesus Christ had descended from God. The second thing is how does it work? What do you do if you admit that you need this new birth? If you admit that you need your sins washed away and you need the Spirit of God giving you new life, how do you bring that about? What can you do? Jesus addresses the second question by saying that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he makes this reference that, again, Nicodemus would understand, but but for some of us may be very confusing. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Chris, a few months ago, preached on this message, and if some of you are here, you may remember, there is a tale from the children of Israel, as before they come into the promised land, they're wandering around in the desert, and they commit a terrible sin by forsaking what God has specifically commanded and told them to do and to be, and God judges them by sending snakes among them, and people are dying as the snakes bite them. And they're crying out to God to save them. And God says, I want you to make a bronze serpent and I want you to hold it up. And anyone who looks at this serpent will live. That might seem really weird, but here's the thing. We should recognize where's the first place that you see a serpent in all of the Bible. It's in Genesis. It's in the Garden of Eden. A serpent represents sin. It represents evil. It represents death. You see that Genesis all the way to Revelation. And when Moses holds up that snake, I believe what he's teaching the people is, you need to see how ugly your sin is, and you need to acknowledge that if you are ever going to be saved. And when Jesus says, the Son of Man must be lifted up, I believe the cross of Jesus Christ shows us two things. And in fact, everyone, when they look at the cross of Jesus, will do one of two things. You will either look at the cross of Jesus Christ and say, that's my sin that God is nailing to the cross. That should be me. Or you will look to the cross of Christ and you will be warned of the future judgment that you will experience because you have rejected Christ. The cross is both an awesome symbol of God's love and it is a terrible warning of God's wrath. One of the two. There's no other option. So Jesus says, how are you born again? How do you get new life? Well, the answer is that the Son of Man is lifted up for you so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So the thing that you and I must do is we must believe. And notice this is exactly what Jesus said in verses 16 to 18. Look with me there. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Jesus says, we must believe In the Son of God. This is how we receive life. We must believe that He died for our sins and rose from the dead. The death that He experienced on the cross is the death that each of us should experience because of our sin and our rebellion. 
You must look to the Son of God lifted up in agony, bearing your sin and mine, and you must recognize that this is what your sins and my sins deserve. This is the righteous judgment of God on sin. So you look to Jesus on the cross and you confess that you deserve that agony because of your sins. But the amazing grace of God is poured out for us. And that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The Bible is very clear that not everyone will do this. In fact in verse 18 it says this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And verse 36, down at the end of the chapter, says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The Bible is very clear. There are two choices. You can look to Jesus... God's son, and you can trust that his sacrifice was made for you, or you can look to the future of God's wrath that will be poured out on you if you do not trust the only son of God who died in your place. And this morning, as I close my message, I just want to ask very clearly, what have you done with Jesus? That very last verse that I read Verse 36 of John chapter 3 says very clearly that those who believe will ultimately obey. Those who are condemned are condemned for not obeying the Son. And those who enjoy the new birth receive the Spirit of God and begin to live in obedience. And so I want to ask you today, one of the great dangers of Christianity is that we teach people, say these magic words, and then you're saved. That may not be true. Some people pray the prayer and say, God, forgive my sin, and then they live as if they've never heard of him. And so this morning, when I ask you, what are you doing with Jesus? I want to encourage you to think, is there evidence that the Spirit of God is active in your life? Does the Spirit of God teach you to say no to the old sins that you used to enjoy? And does the Spirit of God teach you to say yes to the obedience that is a blessing? Does the Spirit of God teach you to love Jesus Christ more and more? One of the clearest ways that I think we can know if we have a relationship with God is if you read about Jesus in the Scripture and your heart just kind of leaps with excitement. You say, Jesus, you are incredible. Jesus, I love you. You look at the things that he does and you look at the things he says, even some of the hard things, and you begin to marvel at the wisdom of God. So let me ask you, I don't want you to say, I've prayed a prayer. I don't even want you to say, I've been baptized. I want you to look to Jesus Christ, lift it up on the cross, and think to yourself, does your heart, does your heart love Jesus Christ? Because that only comes about when the Spirit of God teaches you to love God. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I, I don't really like to lead people in the sinner's prayer because I believe that if God is at work in you, that your heart should cry out to God. You could say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I have heard your word that your wrath will be poured out on those who reject Christ. 
And I would encourage you to talk to him about that in just a moment. And I would encourage you to talk to God about what Jesus has done for you. That you respond to what Jesus did on the cross in faith. That you trust that you have new life. The Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a promise that you can trust. And so in just a moment, I want to give you time and space to do that. And in fact, if you would like to pray with someone, I've got a few people. And if you're, if you're someone that I've asked to do that, if you could come forward and just sit in one of these front chairs. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But if you've heard the message of God's mercy and you want to talk to somebody about that, I would encourage you in just a few moments as the band plays to just go ahead and say, you know what, I do want to talk. And so there are a couple people that are going to be right here in the front. And I want to lead us all in a prayer right now, a prayer of praise and a prayer requesting mercy. So there are two people up front. If you want to talk to somebody, I'd encourage you to do that. And let me stress, this is perhaps the most important thing that you can do as you've heard the word of God is to pray with someone else about it, so that if you sense that you need this, that you don't leave here today without it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we have heard your word today that you say that we need this new life, that without it we will perish, without it we will die. And I thank you that in your kindness, you have made a way for sinners to be forgiven. And I ask today that you would open our eyes, that you would let us know your love. For those who know you, may we praise you with fresh joy because you have lifted up Jesus for us. We thank you for your love. And Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I ask that you'd have mercy on them. I pray that you would open their eyes, that you would grant them repentance and faith today. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you'd like to talk to somebody, you can do that now.